0: Hello and welcome to season two of Inforum's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I am just thrilled beyond belief that joining me today is my long-term friend and colleague, Melissa Collar, who is Chief Counsel and Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Rockford Construction. And I'm also proud to say a member
1: of the Inforum Board of Directors. Welcome, Melissa, and thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Terry. I'm delighted to join you, this is such an honor.
0: Well, I know that we have a lot to talk about today, so let's let's jump right in. So what's your understanding of implicit bias, and how do you work on
1: identifying and addressing your own hidden biases? Oh, that's such a great question, and I'm glad you asked the question as you did, and that is, what is my journey? of an implicit, of implicit bias, because I am definitely not an expert on this topic. I am in a learning curve on it. But let me tell you, it's interesting, the timing is perfect, because we've been talking a lot about this here at Rockford. And I have intellectually understood what implicit bias was, that, you know, you can understand the terms, you know, that's, that's what I do, I read words all the time. But I never could quite understand it in in a meaningful way. And when I say that, I kept saying, I kept thinking, I didn't say this, but I kept thinking, well, if it's hidden, how am I supposed to find it? It's right. elusive. So right. What <laughs> do I do? And then we had. Good a
0: question. Of, Good right? question. Right. It's hidden,
1: and um, and in fact, Marlene kwaski Braun from Grand Valley State University and I have had numerous conversations about this, you know, over the years, and. With all of the, the training she's done. And but it was it was very insightful. We had a consultant come in a few weeks ago, coincidentally. And here's what he had us to do: he said, close your eyes. Now envision a pilot, pick it, pick an airline, Delta, United, American, whatever it is. Who do you see? Mm. Right? He says, Any chance you see Captain Sully? You know, they made a movie about his heroic landing on the Hudson, I, he said, I would bet in this room, nobody thought in their head of a woman of Native American descent, for example. Mm-hmm. And he didn't use that exact example, but that's what he was saying. He said, mm-hmm. we all have these unconscious biases. They're mm-hmm. implicit, right? By the images we've seen before, our past experiences. And that's where the light bulb for me turned on, was like, wow, that's what implicit bias is. It's a mm-hmm. blind spot. Mm-hmm. So what do I do now that I know I've got it? And, <laughs> right now, now you know, but what do we do? Now and, it's like ro-ro. <laughs> right, doing? like okay, I got it. But now, now this is really where it gets a little scary. Like, okay, how am I going to address this one? And um Brad Mathis, Harry, I don't know if you've met Brad, but he he um, runs our community relations and our DEI here at Rockford and and we've had many conversations and what he repeatedly says to people is, Hey, I have blind spots. You have blind spots. Every single person on this planet has blind spots. This is not just one person, one race, one gender, one culture. I thought, Oh, okay. What do we do? So my journey has been, all right, I've got the implicit bias into consciousness now I understand what it is Mm -hmm. but where do we go from there and so Brett and I've talked about this a couple times and it's really asking people you trust and I know trust is such a critical component to everything in relationships Mm -hmm. but ask people around you from different backgrounds that if they see me me personally Mm -hmm. operating under a blind spot tell me Mm -hmm. they've got to trust though that I'm not going to lash back at them, right? And that's going to be defensive. I'm going to listen. And then I have to trust their opinions. And probably equally important is I have to act Mm -hmm. upon it. I can't ignore it. If I'm going to ask, I better be ready for the answer. Not easy, Uh, but with a great, you know, if you trust people, then hopefully we'll overcome those implicit biases.
0: Oh my gosh, Melissa. It's so great. Thank you for being so candid uh, you know about that which is itself sometimes it's kind of a scary thing to do right because you we're all afraid of being judged but you know it is true that you can't make any progress if you don't acknowledge where you are and start you know I mean that's that's what it's all about so so actually that kind of goes to our next question which is what what can leaders and you've sort of answered this, but you may have other things to say. What can leaders do on a day-to-day basis, that daily basis, to encourage and facilitate diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, it's important. I mean, everything starts with how a leader puts their team together and the behaviors. But I don't think it's just the leader. I think there's really two components, the leader and the organization structure itself. But mm-hmm. like the first thing as a leader, I think I personally have to do is I have to model the behavior that I desire of the people that work with me, with my team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my dad said, someday, you're going to hear those words in your head. And it if I don't. Here's what he used to always say. To <laughs> oh, I like it already. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would say to me, you know, Melissa, your actions speak louder than your words. <laughs> always remember, actions speak louder than your words. And it in all kinds of contexts, you know, whether you borrow something, put it back and make it look better, not just say thank you, all kinds of parts of your life. Well, that, that applies to facilitating diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. and to being a leader. And so what do I do intentionally every day? Well, I got to think about what I'm going to do every single day. So it's probably best to give you an example. And I was thinking about this, um, yeah. so talking about how do I do that? So, Terry, as you know, because we're friends and we've been colleagues and for so many years with the board. So, I've been on this mission to find another lawyer mm. uh, to, to join our team. And I wanted someone who really fit all the culture and mm-hmm. um, the style and quality that, that Rockford has. And I had hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of resumes, and we, we barely advertised. We put out a LinkedIn. How do I get through all these? Well, I thought I found this perfect candidate. The leadership team loved him. I loved him. He checked every single box. And I started thinking about this diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, we have this team. And we have a team of men and women. We have a 22-year-old getting ready to go to law school. And we have a 56-year-old who's been here all 35 years of the company's organization. I even have one person most grew up in Grand Rapids but I even have one person who came to the United States in the middle of the pandemic so they all come from different ideas and I said all right here's what I want you guys to do I want you all to and interview this candidate I think he fits everything we need but if you don't like him if any of you don't like him we're not hiring I want I want you to be honest with me I'm going to step out of the room I want to give him the chance to ask questions about me and what it's like to work with me because I'm not necessarily always a great, a wonderful walk in the park. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want you to tell me what you think of what will become your boss. And um, and I and it was really interesting. My leadership team said, "You want to do what? You're putting a 22 <laughs> year old a person that just graduated from undergrad. You're going to put them into a room and interview a guy that is twice his age." For a job as a lawyer when he's getting when your legal assistant is getting ready to go into law school. I, mm-hmm. said, yeah, I am. <laughs> and they said, you're gonna put a non-English speaking native, native English speaking person in the room. And you're gonna have this person there. I said, I am. <laughs> and and we went through the list and they said, okay, let's go ahead. It's totally different. We haven't done it before, but why not? Mm -hmm. So I stepped out of the room, the whole team went in and they interviewed them. And it was really interesting, the perspective they got. The women in the room, and there were two women out of the group that were sitting in there and the rest were men sitting in that room. And the women said, both of them noticed this. They said, well, the candidate didn't look me in the eye. We talked. Well, shoot, we have to have somebody that makes connections. Yes, I asked them, um, all the men, and I asked them each individually. And the men said, oh, he's great, he's wonderful, There's, he's, he's fantastic. And then I brought to their attention that I had both women mention that he didn't make eye contact with them. And it was, like a, it, was, it was like this all of a sudden, aha moment. And each of them said, oh, you know what? Yeah, he mostly looked at the 22-year-old the whole time. He didn't look at the son of the company. Uh... He looked at one person. But what it let me do was to ask more questions, to get sure. to the bottom of it so that we make the right choice. But without that feedback, I wouldn't have known that. And can you imagine him, that candidate sitting in a negotiation and refusing to make eye contact with someone, right. looking everyone else?
0: Right, right. But I'm, I'm thinking in particular of one of Rockford's major customers who has a large number of women in leadership roles, you know, that where, where, hey, that's important, right? It is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It is. And it's those little things that people think are so little, but can become so meaningful long-term. But the other piece to that was my team felt like they were really part of the decision-making. They knew they weren't the final decision-maker, but they knew their voices were going to be heard. Yeah. And they were honest with me. I loved it.
0: Right. What a great example. Oh, that's just thank you for for sharing that. That's um, I think that's how we learn best. You know, are those really concrete um, down to earth everyday examples of putting principles into action. So so along those lines, how how do you define success and communicate what that looks like to your team?
1: So I'm going to talk on just the legal side. Oh, okay. That's where I've been spending most of my time right now.
0: And notice we're not making any lawyer jokes, so that's okay. <laughs> oh, I've got great ones if we need I it. bet you do. <laughs> anyway, that's let's right. just talk on the lawyer
1: side. Yeah, so let's just talk about success. So, you know, what does success look like to my team and how do I communicate it? Well, for my team, I think success is excellence. Let me just start with that, right? Everything we do is excellence. And we have to do it on a timely basis and we always talk about so rockford construction is a builder of a changing world things like that Mm -hmm. so often people think okay rockford construction you're going to talk about reputation of what did rockford build not how people talk about what Mm -hmm. and what did it develop because it has a development arm and what did it broker and what did it property manage and things like that but the reality is Equally important for reputation is how we do that. Mm. And it starts, honestly, it has to start with the contracts we prepare in the legal group. We establish the rules of engagement. Mm. We are one of the first times after, you know, all the sales and the, the positive and everything, you know, you win the work. But now you got to get to the contract. This is where you roll up your sleeves. So <laughs> number one, time kills deals. We can't be slow. We yeah. can wait two weeks or three weeks to respond on something. It doesn't yeah. look good. Yeah. And number two, as legal counsel. So Terry, as you know, being a lawyer can be adversarial. Mm-hmm. And we, our job is to protect mm-hmm. whoever our client is. And so sometimes things get tense. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to to address their particular client's issues. So our job is not to fight back. It is not to be rude. It is not to be condescending. No matter Mm -hmm. how another party chooses to behave, our job is to diffuse that with professionalism, with respect and service, Mm -hmm. right? And the last piece of that, we talk about pretty often. is when you walk into our office and I think you saw, you've seen it, Terry. There is a giant foundation chart of what Rockford is about. And in the center of it is we are a builder of a changing world. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't be builders of a changing world if we can't problem solve with the, cons- with the contract itself. Mm-hmm. We've got to get to yes. Mm-hmm. So that for us is how do we get to yes in a, in a fair and reasonable way that allows both our internal client to be happy, but equally important is we have to have our, our actual client, the Rockford client happy and positive and ready for that building.
0: Oh, my, this, this makes me want to work with you. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, you know, you're absolutely right. It just thinking back over the course of having lived on this planet for a while, you're right. Uh, The relationships do begin with a contract. (laughs) You're absolutely right. (laughs) What, what a great what a great example. That's, and what a great way to define success. Very customer focused all the way around. Um, good for you. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you, Terry. So, so we've, so this next one, so you and I have talked about this several times over the course of the years. <laughs> yeah. So we know, we know that women, and, and it's good, you know, you here you are in the construction industry, which does not typically as an industry, have the image of having many women leaders involved. That may or may not be accurate, but I think that's sort of the rep that's out there, right? So, mm-hmm. so we know, and, and the legal profession really isn't much different. So women have made slow and steady gains in achieving leadership positions, but we know that the gender gap persists, could you share an experience that illustrates how you've overcome the barriers that women so often face?
1: Oh, goodness. One experience. I think, I think it's hard to find one experience to illustrate <laughs> and the barriers, right? Because there's all kinds of different things. So I'm, I don't know that I can really say that. I think what I can talk about, though, is instead of, I can give some examples of barriers. But I, but I think what's more important than overcoming the barriers is how you put a mindset and a strategy together mm-hmm. for, you know, whether you, we are women, men, we all have barriers. We all mm-hmm. have things to overcome. And, and so it's not a victim mentality. It is a mindset and a strategy to be gentle but firmly focused on where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. It's not on what I didn't get in the past. So I've always looked at it this way. So I joined... You know, my prior um, law firm, I was number—I think I was number seven women um, mm-hmm. in the firm. There were just about to have brand new partners, a couple women, and and I looked at it as it's a little bit like the tortoise and the hare story that we all know growing up. And and I looked from the, the perspective of when I was given an opportunity to race, mm-hmm. which often meant I was way slower. I was second choice. I was third choice before I was going to get the chance in many cases. I I never said no when given those opportunities. I looked at them as truly opportunities, even if I wasn't the first or the second choice. And I'll give a couple examples. I think you might have even heard some of these early in my career. Uh, one, was, one example was we had a client, we were re-interviewed we for a new project, And it was in four different states. They flew in and apparently the attorney that was supposed to handle it, um, the part that I did, I was a real estate and construction lawyer, was not available. He canceled for some reason. And so they said, there's a meeting in 20 minutes. We've been planning all this. But here, let me tell you real quick about the client and go in and get the work, but you're not going to do it. I said, okay, no problem. So I went in. I was introduced that way. I was introduced as Melissa Caller is stepping in, but she won't do the work, but she can tell you a little bit about our group and about the group and what they do and so forth. And I, I smiled, I went to work, I talked about the, the great things that my firm did and I meant it with no expectation I was gonna get the work, but just to be a team player. And the client apparently after I left said, you've got the work and I want her in my office. And I worked for that that client for over a year in their office in Lansing. Wow. Every single day. And it was just because I said yes. I had a whole different day. I had another one, and this one I'm sure you've heard. I was visiting my sister in maybe you haven't in New York City. And I had a three year old and a five year old and we had this weekend planned and I was taking Monday off and I got a call on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And this is the days when you had the Big monster phones. I thought it was so cool. You know, I had my yeah. mobile phone that was no longer connected to the car. Yeah. <laughs> First time it rings. And I get a call from one of one of the partners. And he says, Hey, we've got a problem here. We didn't realize we didn't put any women on this pitch. And we're all traveling to this other city on Monday morning. We need you there. I know you're on vacation, but we'll just fly you from New York. To this location and i said um okay i said you just gotta give me a little bit of time i gotta get my three-year-old and my five-year-old back home to grand rapids oh my and, gosh and he said okay call me back let me know we rescheduled this my husband what a great guy he is he said no problem he's helping me change my flight reservations Flew out at 4 a.m <gasps> on monday morning Landed at 6 a.m. because it was the direct flight back in the day, landed at 6, dropped off my kids, got on back at the airport at 7.30 and flew out, had not slept a whole lot. And because of that, now my kids didn't care, they slept the whole time, they were as happy as could be, what did it matter? For me though, it was an opportunity of a lifetime because I was only being dropped in, they've been planning this for weeks. I got dropped in and I got to work on that publicly traded client my entire career. Wow. Up until the day Uh, I left. So I look at it as more of these situations gave me a chance to show what I could do. Yeah. Right. I made myself available. And so my career was really built on those early opportunities. They weren't barriers just because I didn't get asked all the time because I wasn't the first choice. Mm-hmm. But those opportunities of being the second and the third choice is what helped me become the first choice later in my career. Mm-hmm. And ultimately had me land here. So how can that be bad? Mm-hmm.
0: Great examples. Really, really interesting points. So many points that you made. I, I would like to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and, and that's trust. Um, trust is often identified as a key element of leadership. And you can see that in the story that you just told. I mean, your actions built trust and confidence in you. So, so tell us uh, how you've gone about building trust amongst colleagues in the past and why do you think it worked?
1: Ah, so yes, I think trust is absolutely critical. Uh, I've always been a believer, do what you say and say what you, you do. And and that one, I remember Charlie McCallum, one of he was a senior partner when I was a young attorney. I would he would be walking down the hall and I'd hear him saying that, do what you say, say what you do. And and that that stuck in my head from the time I was very, very young at, at my firm. And while it sounds cliche, I think you know, the way you build the trust is exactly that. I was always transparent. Mm-hmm. I was always forthright. I worked really hard. And people, when they know that they can trust you, things are going to get rocky. Mm-hmm. And it's during those rocky periods that that trust becomes so important. Reputations and relationships are built and lost on the basis of trust in my view. Mm-hmm. Everything you do mm-hmm. is built on trust. But equally important is, I think for a great team, the leader has to both be, be trusted and have to trust others. Mm-hmm. And I always think of a colleague who, When things got rocky, he immediately was ready that he thought somebody had betrayed him. Always felt that way. Mm. And and what does it do to him emotionally? Oh, it's awful. And then it starts to flood over, right? And that person, and then he disparages others and destroys relationships. And I remember that vividly. You know, you want to be trusted, but you have to trust others at the same time. Mm. That's what a team is.
0: Uh, that is such a great point. And I don't think anyone else has made that um, in this podcast series. I mean, it really is about assuming positive intent. And, yeah. you know, uh, wh- what a great reminder. What a great, what a great reminder and great stories. So before you go, can you share with, uh, I, I have two more questions for, her. I'm going okay. s- <laughs> to. Can you share with us a story about how you used, or even maybe a time when you wish you'd used a key leadership competency and why that mattered? Ooh, leadership competency. I think I think we've talked about relationship management and the importance yeah. of that. You're very good at that, by the way, but.
1: Aw, thank you. <laughs> so it's interesting, it, the reason, I think I'd pause for a moment is I, I don't think it was ever conscious when I was, because uh-huh. I grew up, I grew up in a law firm from the time I was 23 years old. And so for 26 years, the relationship management probably was something I didn't think a lot about. And somehow I just organically learned it to a certain degree there. But interestingly, now that I'm in a new organization, now I'm starting to watch that relationship man- management idea and the dynamics of decision making. How does how does that all work? Because every organization has its own culture and its own way of moving forward. And and certainly I I am sure I stumble all the time. <laughs> but you said something earlier about, you know, kind of the intent and so forth. And and I think when you've got the trust of your colleagues and they trust you, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of understanding so that you can learn how to manage relationships. But as I think through this, I think about some president of construction whose name is Shane Knapper here. And he said to me, he said, here's something I really liked about how you manage your relationships, Melissa. He said to me, first of all, I get it, you're a lawyer. So no to you does not mean no. He said, that's not lost on me. But no does not mean no to you. No to you seems to mean that, okay, back off while for a little bit. You're going to regroup a little bit. You're going to re-strategize. You're going to come up with a new ask. And you're going to ask it in a different way. But, you don't, but just so you know, I know you're asking the same question again. <laughs> now, when you come back, you're figuring out how it's good for the other person. And I started thinking about that. I thought, well, isn't that what great relationships that's what negotiations are that's what relationships are is you've got to think about the why and the how (laughs) how is this going to help somebody else so until you can come from the perspective of someone else and make it a win-win you're not going to be able to manage a relationship as well and then you add that trust factor in and that's where great relationships are built and managed. I great do. example
0: <laughs> great example I like that and actually I know that to be true about you so you are very skilled at doing that I'm not sure everybody realizes what you're up to but um,
1: yeah that's I wasn't sure if he was giving me a compliment <laughs> <laughs> but you know I mean at the end of the day if you can I mean you, you don't want people unhappy uh huh. Need to. I mean, we all have to embrace whatever we're gonna do.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, uh, you're right. Funny.
1: You, you don't want people unhappy. I'll tell um, you, you learn a lot about yourself when you join a new organization, and I had not ever done that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. And it is a process learning new cultures and uh, how to yeah. uh, understand how how those work and um, align with them. I mean, it really it really is a, a process. So. So I'm a little bit of a quote junkie. And so one final question for you. Do you have a favorite quote that you'd like to share and why?
1: <laughs> I laugh because uh, you've met my husband. Yep. He's the ultimate optimist. So every day Brad sends to our two college kids and me a quote of the day. Oh. Done this for years. Oh, the quotes I have. Can I share a couple of my favorites?
0: Oh, yes, please, please.
1: Okay, so the first one at first sounds a little questionable. Actually, both of them are going to sound a little questionable. The first one is, have you heard Embrace the Suck? Oh, yes, I have. (laughs) So I had not heard that one. And my son's football team had it printed on everything after they were trained for team building by the Navy SEALs. And, And it's so true, right? You and I, and all of us, have to do sometimes things we don't want to do. You got to do some of the stuff that's not so fun to get to the fun stuff. Embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. The second thing, similarly, eat the frog. I am not an outdoor person. Eat and so, the frog. Eat the frog. Does that okay. not just sound disgusting? It does. <laughs> it does. I'm waiting <laughs> to hear more. Eat exactly. The frog. These are the discussions that we have around the dinner table when the kids come home. <laughs> Or I see because I, you know, you can hear the audible sigh of like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> send them. But it resonates. And here's why I love this one. Eat the frog. When you look it up, it's really talking about that procrastination is a barrier to success. Oh. If you do the things first that you don't want to do to yeah. avoid procrastination. Yeah. So those are the two kind of questionable ones. Now I'm going to give you one that actually, Deb Nitton,
0: who ah, has okay. been-
1: you know, obviously one of our, our, our colleagues on the board over the years and others. So she sent me, knowing that I'm a Michigan grad, sent me the senior day um, quote from Brad Menzer. And I don't remember why she sent it to me, but she sent it and it said, remember what you love. Remember what scares you. Never forget what brought you here. Take the leap and stay true to your authentic self. And I have that on my board. Oh, my.
0: And oh, that is just fabulous. And it's even more fabulous because Deb is a Spartan. Oh, that's (laughs)
1: right. (laughs) So you might not appreciate me mentioning
0: her. (laughs) That uh, that is that is a great one. Can you say that one
1: again? Absolutely. Remember what you love. Remember what scares you. Never forget what brought you here. Take the leap and stay true to your authentic self.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa, and for your candor, great stories and great quotes uh, of a variety of sorts, right?
1: (laughs) Thank you. So true. It was a pleasure to join you today.
0: Well, that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to inforummichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as Meet Him, a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thanks for joining us today.